Hey, EB community. Welcome to the weekly Mia Thrives podcast. I'm Melissa, and my fellow co-host Jill and I are really excited to open up the conversation around the skin disease epidermolysis bullosa, also known as EB for short. So let's discuss what living with EB is all about. We hope you weigh in on our Facebook forum where the conversation continues. Let's talk thriving with EB. Welcome. Jill and I are really excited to have a U.S. friend all the way from California. Nisha, welcome to uh, to the Mia Thrives podcast. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me. We're really excited. We have a lot of information we'd like to share with our listeners. So um, we definitely want to get into your journey of recently coming out with EB, which is a rare skin disease. So Jill, if you don't mind uh, defining the rare disease? Yes, so uh, I'm gonna talk a little bit about what a rare disease is. Um, It's actually um, hard to find a definition for that uh, because so many different countries have many different definitions. But um, quickly, a disease is defined as rare when it affects fewer than 200,000 people. So that's really sort of the, you know, the only thing that's sort of consistent among all the definitions. Um, but that is, uh, yeah, the definition of a rare disease. So, uh, Nisha, I know you're going to share your, your journey with us, but um, I, I think uh, your connection with the Every Life Foundation is something our listeners are really going to be interested in learning more about. Do you mind, um, Jill, if you can just define what that foundation is? Yeah, so I'm going to define what the foundation is, and then we're going to let Nisha talk about that foundation and all the other things that she's been doing because she's been very busy. So um, the Every Life Foundation is a group that is dedicated to advancing the development of treatment and diagnostic opportunities for rare disease patients through science-driven public policy. Uh, It says on their, their site that we do not speak for patients. We provide the training, education, resources, and opportunities to make their voices heard. By activating the patient advocate, we can change public policy and save lives. That's just incredible. Yeah. Sounds like a really remarkable organization. So, uh, Nisha, maybe we're, we're going to have you start with um, your journey of coming out with EB. So this is something that you recently did. Is it over EB Awareness Week 2019? Um, and one another doctor, um, an unrelated appointment, actually told me about this clinic, and I thought. 
Um, and I think that's what kind of planted the seed about me thinking about you know, my UV and UV in general um, a little bit more actively. And uh, that doctor kind of been passing told me about other UV types and, you know, what are the, you know, some of the symptoms they have. And then I, you know, started thinking about the bigger picture more. Um, and then, you know, a little later that year, I joined um, a bunch of EB Facebook groups. Um, and again, I don't know why it waited so long to join them, but they've been really valuable in terms of, you know, how to support system, uh, giving practical tips on care. Um, and then I've actually, for a while, I've been on, so Deborah, the, the major EB organization, I've been on their email list um, for quite a while and started paying more attention to their emails. And um, one of their emails in uh, October 19, at the beginning of the month, was about the upcoming EB Awareness Week um, that was to take place at the end of the month. And they encouraged us to uh, share on social media and raise awareness. And all of a sudden I thought, you know what? I've never done that, but I, I think I'm going to do it. So what know, a I decided, big you know, step. I'm gonna put up this post. <laughs> yeah, so I decided, you know, I'm going to put up this post about you know, how I had to eat, you know, what it's kind of showing me about, uh, you know, about people's various struggles, about the, you know, American healthcare system. Um, and, you know, partially I was actually inspired to do that, you know, besides the, you know, exposure I got into the EV world a little bit more, by the fact that I think in society things are changing. Um, you know, on Facebook I've seen, you know, other people's posts about, you know, deaths of loved ones, um, maybe, you know, issues they were going through with, um, you know, with pregnancies, with other medical conditions. And so already I saw the tide was turning, and I thought, you know what, I think it's, you know, my turn to raise awareness, and I think that I need to stop being silent about having so, you know, I put up this whole post um, on Facebook and Instagram um, right at the start of TV Awareness Week and just got some really positive response uh, from people saying, you know, thanks so much for being open. Thank you for sharing your story. Um, you know, you're really strong. And it was just very, um, it, it was just very inspiring. So it was very intimidating to do it first, but I'm just so glad I did. Were friends and family surprised that you had a rare disease and not only a rare disease, but a rare skin disease? That's a really brave step to, how did you feel when you hit, you know, send on that post? Did you have a, you know, how did you feel about doing that? one another but also share to the world that there are lots of different rare diseases and this is uh, the rare disease that is affecting you and your family so kudos to you that's uh, that's a really big step and a big part of empowerment did you feel more complete and better about yourself that you had been able to share a part of yourself you hadn't shared previously about that 
and you know one of the comments also on my post is that you know I feel like it was my friend was saying I feel like you're giving people a safe space to also talk about what life is throwing them and exactly. so I felt really good about that as well that you know other uh, who posted about personal things on Facebook where I did inspired me to do so and now you know perhaps you know people will see my post and think oh you know maybe I can share about X, Y, or Z as well. Right. Yeah. So if you don't mind sharing, Nisha, with our listeners, what kind of subtype of EB do you have? So I have EB simplex, um, and a generalized form of simplex, which means that, you know, all parts of my body can uh, potentially be affected. Um, the somewhat unusual part about my case of EB is that, as you know, a lot of your uh, listeners who are familiar with EB simplex might know, it's generally dominantly inherited. So, you know, somebody inherits the dominant gene and then they have a 50% uh, chance of passing it on. Um, in my case, it's actually autosomal recessive. And so this means that I actually inherited two recessive genes. Um, and the chances of that happening are, are, as you can imagine, not very high. So it's a, a rare subtype within the most common uh, part of EB. Okay. And if you feel comfortable sharing, how does that actually affect you in your day-to-day quality of life? Uh, sure. So I would say, again, it's a generalized form of EB, so I can get, um, you know, blisters um, anywhere. So especially on my uh, feet or my lower back, um, you know, I have to be careful in terms of uh, walking for long periods of time. Um, I have to select my shoes and clothes um, pretty carefully. Um, on occasion, I can get, um, you know, mouth blisters or sores, and, you know, they kind of pop up randomly. Um, and then um, I have them, too, because I'm of Indian descent, and I have a, you know, kind of a medium brown skin tone. And the thing about that is that it shows scars easily. So, you know, after blisters heal or after, um, you know, wound peels, sometimes I'm left with a little display coloration. So that's, um, that, that can be tough. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because, uh, to be honest, I... I have EB myself, and I and I wouldn't thought about that. I wouldn't mm. have thought that um, a scar would have shown that much more with darker uh, skin color. So that's very interesting that that you mentioned that. I wonder um, on your feet. I know some people with simplex have uh, lost their nails. Do you have that struggle as well? Uh no, fortunately. And do you have any other immediate family members that have EB? Uh, no, I don't. So it's my parents and my uh, older brother. He's about five years older, and they do not have EB. And you mentioned that you have um, uh, a husband. Is that okay for me to share with our <laughs> listeners? <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. And he's, and he's so supportive, so I couldn't do it here. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. That That's really encouraging. Was it, um, personally for me, uh, it was scary sharing with new boyfriends that I had EB. Was that something that you were nervous by as well? Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and so, you know, throughout the years, when, you know, when I dated people, I was wondering, how do I bring it up? What's the right time to bring it up? What are the words to use? Um, and I always found that uh, one of the first things that came out of my mouth is, it's not contagious. <laughs> I feel like I just really had to get that out there. Um, because, you know, there's, there's times where, you know, they would notice and then they might ask. Um, you know, fortunately, they, you know, for the most part, did it in a kind way. Other times it would come up later and then I'd have to figure out, okay, how do I work with no way that's honest, but this doesn't, you know, scare them off either. So, yeah, definitely found that um, intimidating. But, you know, with my husband, I felt like he was just really just exceptionally understanding. So that just 
I will say with my experience that that was a really easy way to weed out <laughs> the good guys from the bad guys, <laughs> you know, based on, based on how they handled that. Because if they can handle it with respect and grace and love, then it, it doesn't matter what it is. They just, they love you for you, right? So that's wonderful that, that you were able to, um, to find that in your life. I wonder how Evie has impacted your life maybe today or growing up. You mentioned when you were younger that your EB presented a little bit more challenging. How did that affect you? Yeah, yeah, definitely. So I would say, you know, with EB, of course, there's the potential for wounds um, is, you know, in blisters is you know, pretty, pretty great. And so, you know, kids are sometimes, you know, prone to rough housing. So I remember, you know, getting injured at school um, or, you know, having, you know, just painful wounds. Um, you know, people with serious forms of VB, obviously, they have to go through some really extensive, um, you know, bathing, dressing changes, routines. Um, and so mine wasn't nearly that extensive, but still it was a reality of my day-to-day life. So I would, um, you know, I would always dread that time, you know, because then I knew that after that, you know, especially if I had a group. And even if I didn't ask for that, I knew, yes, there's going to be this inevitable, um, you know, application of bandages, draining of blisters. Um, and I remember thinking, wow, you know, I wish I could just be like everyone else, just, you know, take a shower, you know, dry off quickly, throw on my clothes and just call it, you know. And instead, it was just this, mm-hmm. you know, day-to-day routine, which was, you know, which was, was a little, it was definitely wore on me. You mentioned that you have an older brother. Was he very protective of you growing up? tried tennis um <laughs> melissa's laughing because it's she tried tennis <laughs> she, tried. she was very good at dancing around out there with her tennis racket and when she'd hit it it was a very exciting moment but it is uh, you know um trying to find different activities and sports that she can do and and having to you know i'm sure your family you just have to work around things so you know it, it's a challenge it's definitely something that that you have to think about. Me and I have to wear gloves to play tennis. Do you find that um, there's wear and tear with the racket sometimes, or is it more predominantly on your feet with the running back and forth, rubbing with the footwear? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say it's both. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, I actually did wear a glove uh, to play tennis. Um, I think it was actually a golf glove because I don't know if they necessarily make tennis-specific gloves anymore, but I have to you know, wear a golf glove and I had to wear one that was you know, for my right hand something about that your mom uh, she when you were skiing she would sew something in was that what it was yeah she would sew yeah special padding in yeah 
That's yeah, a- so when I was in fifth or sixth grade, um, you know, there was a school ski trip. Um, and so I went along with my best friend and all of other friends. And, you know, I had a pair of socks that, you know, wasn't good enough. I had no experience with skiing. And at the end of the you know, day, I had, you know, my shins, calves, just you know, full of pictures. Um, but, you know, I, I didn't want to stop skiing. And so what my mom did is she took, I think it was a piece of foam bus, and she sewed uh, Velcro on each end. Um, that way I could wrap it around my shins. So I put on a pair of uh, ski socks, I would wrap this thing around, and then I would put on another pair of socks to secure it. Um, and that would help ensure that ski boots, which are just, you know, really stiff in nature, um, they wouldn't cause so much friction or they wouldn't give me blisters. And it actually worked really well. I think I still have those somewhere. <laughs> so your mom um, sounds like she was able to support you to try different things and try to come up with different accommodations to allow you to do the things that you wanted. Some parents of children with EB choose to maybe over monitor their child so that they're not able to engage in physical activity. I wonder what kind of an approach your parents had with uh, parenting with you. And you were mentioning, well, when we were talking beforehand, um, that you, you think that you maybe were quieter about your EB as you were going through your teenage years and young adulthood. Is it because you felt like when you were a child, you know, you, you had to share that information and it had to be out there, so you just thought you'd just keep it to yourself a little bit as you got a little older? Yeah, so when I was younger, definitely I got a lot of questions, right? So, uh, especially, you know, younger now would ask, oh, what, you know, what happened to your skin? You know, did you get burned? Um, um, you know, people would ask, I think, when, you know, maybe when they were visiting my family, you know, things like that. So a lot of questions, you know, and it definitely, mm-hmm. and, you know, at, at the time, obviously, you know, being really young, I didn't really have the vocabulary or, you know, to, to figure out, okay, how can I answer that? Or, you know, how much information is this person entitled to? And so, you know, definitely that, you know, made me feel kind of self-conscious. Um, I think as I got older, you know, people, I think, started asking less for a couple of reasons. One, I think it did become a little bit less physical. Um, and then the other thing is, you know, I grew up in a really small town in Pennsylvania. I think uh, fewer than 10,000 people. And so more or less, I went to school with many of the same people, um, kind of all throughout from elementary, middle, and high school. And so after a while, some of them just got used to it, right? There were new people in middle school, maybe, because then there was just a you know, new school with um, mm-hmm. from the other towns. But, you know, a lot of people I just already seen and they were kind of used to it. So when, when people eventually stopped asking or the questions slowed down, you know, I decided I was also done talking about it, you know. At that point, you know, I had other interests. I was, you know, getting more into school. So I just didn't want TV to define me. And I just didn't want to have to give those explanations. So I definitely um, kept it to myself. Yeah. 
So I wonder that um, that maybe empathy that you might have had knowing uh, that sometimes in life people have more challenges than appear on, on the surface affected you as an adult. Uh, I know you've done a lot of community advocacy work and I wonder if your EB, uh, in having EB, affected your career choice, your education uh, choices, or um, what you're doing now. Do, do you mind talking a little bit about that? Sure, definitely. So um, in terms of, so I'll start with my career, and then I can go into the, um, the volunteer stuff. Um, so in terms of my career choices, you know, fortunately, you know, my case of EB is mild enough that it didn't really have to guide my career choices. So um, to tell you a little bit about my path, um, after college, um, I entered marketing research because I was really fascinated, you know, in studying college, um, consumer behavior and marketing and, you know, why people make the buying decisions they do. Um, so that's what I did after college. Um, and then uh, several years later, so I was living in New York City, and then several years later, um, I got an MBA. Um, decided I wanted to continue in marketing, but in a more strategic role. Um, so then I, after my MBA, I moved to San Francisco and was working in consumer packages, brand management for a few years. Um, and then, you know, and as I was thinking about my next move, I thought, you know, I'm not sure if this is quite for me. I mean, there are things I really liked about it, but, you know, I realized I think some of my core strengths could be used, um, you know, maybe differently. And I realized the things that I really enjoyed uh, about working were more people-focused, more writing-focused. And so then I took a totally different path about three and a half years ago. And I became an MBA admissions consultant. And now I work um, full-time at a firm called MBA Admissions, um, in which we advise applicants to top business schools in the U.S. and abroad on their application strategy. Um, and then I also, you know, represent the firm in terms of doing webinars, writing articles um, that are of interest to prospective MBA candidates. And it's something that I really enjoy because of the people-focused aspect. Uh, I feel like I, it lets me really have an impact on people's lives. Um, you know, there's really nothing more satisfying than, you know, getting an email from a client saying, hey, I, you know, I just got into my new school, I'm so excited, thanks for your help. So it's something that I really enjoy. Um, and one interesting thing about this job is that I uh, work from home full-time. Um, it is not, that's not something I choose to do, you know, because of BEB, and, but working from home has, you know, is definitely appealing in different ways. But I found that it does, um, it is surprisingly beneficial. I, I can wear, you know, comfortable clothes all day, you know, um, you know, comfortable shoes or you know, no shoes when I'm at home. And, you know, for example, when I'm, you know, in my previous job, I had to take uh, you know, the bus home. And, you know, I remember one time, you know, I bumped into some metal thing in the bus that, you know, hurt my leg. So I don't have to worry about those sorts of things. So that can be nice. And also have a little bit more time for my skincare routine. Whereas before, you know, I'm not a morning person. So I would, um, you know, just get up as late as possible and kind of rush out the door. And now I can take my time, which I think is healthier for me. It's interesting that you just happen to work from home because Jill and I are finding there are a lot of people within the EV community that are choosing to become entrepreneurs or work in their own home setting so that they are able to better manage their self-care and having a lot of success doing so. So, you know, Nisha, I think you're in a very interesting position. You have so much academic and professional experience. You're so well-spoken and articulate you are able to take your experiences and really do a wonderful job expressing the needs of our EB community. And what I'm really excited to talk about now is how you're able to parlay your personal experiences and 
try to be a part of reforming legislation at, at Capitol Hill to represent people with, uh, with EB and, and rare diseases in general. Do you mind talking about where that um, ability came from and how, how that happened for you? And um, and then my fellow California advocates 
I got to meet our representatives, so the staffers of our senators and our uh, House representatives, um, so that we could share our stories. And that was, I just, I enjoyed doing that so much, just, you know, being able to share my story and say, and here's why, you know, I'd love for you to support this piece of legislation. So it sounds very empowering to be an advocate, and one of the best parts of the event was really just getting to meet everybody else and hearing those stories and being inspired by that. I mean, Misha, in under six months, you have done so many incredible things uh, with the community, on behalf of the community. Like, it's very inspiring to hear your story. And I think, um, you know, you've mentioned so many wonderful organizations. Like, Jill, I want to Google all these and and know (laughs) more about them all. Yeah, yeah. It's wonderful. You really created a... Well, number one, you've shared a lot of your story, but you're also creating opportunities to be heard and for other people to be heard and really, you know, making an impact on the community in, like Melissa said, such a short period of time. It really is very amazing. This is what thriving... I mean, I do now it makes me wonder why I missed so long, but I think it's just, I just had to come to this point in my journey, I guess. I I think you're right, and and it's kismet. Like, the, the timing is perfect. Society has changed, is open uh, to hear more of these stories and, and learn more about rare diseases. And uh, at Mia Thrives, we're, we're really focusing on thriving, and, and you're such a clear, clear, crystal example of what thriving with EB is all about. So, um, can I ask, can I ask, like, yeah, what do you think that thriving with EB, like, what does that mean to you? Nisha, like, what do you think? I think it means um, being able to make the most out of my life while still being realistic and still being mindful of my limitations. Um, and so, you know, being able to, you know, enjoy time with my friends, you know, have these different career experiences. Um, one thing I'm really passionate about is traveling. Um, I think I've been to about uh, 26 countries. Um, and I've actually <laughs> been to uh, a handful of them solo. Wow. Uh, and, you know, and this is something that, you know, there are, of course, you know, they say, oh, you're going to be safe, you know, um, and, you know, of course, it's a, it's a risk, but, you know, one thing I found actually about, you know, you know if, if my husband can't travel with me, for example, for work or something, the thing about traveling solo is that, it, you know, if I need to take a break, right, let's say I'm, you know, developing a blister or, you know, maybe just hurt in general or something, I can do that and I'm not, you know, affecting anyone else's schedule, um, so that tends to work well for me, so it's a way for me to, you know, explore the world kind of on my own terms, so I think that's an example of, I think, Thriving with BB, not letting, you know, being realistic, but not letting me hold me back from the things that are important to me. Absolutely. Oh, that's wonderful. Now, we, um, we always like to ask if you could speak to a young child with EB now, what are the pearls of wisdom that you would like to pass on? Sure. So, yeah, there's a few things. So, um, you know, I think one of them is that, you know, you have good and bad days, but things can, you know, whether or not, not your condition improves excessively um, when you're older, you know, things, it'll become easier to manage. Once you've figured out, you build up experience with what works, what doesn't work. Um, another thing I'd say is, you know, find what makes you happy and exciting, right? So, for example, I love to read. Um, I love to travel. Um, and, you know, I found a career that I really enjoy. So, you know, try not to, you know, let me hold you back from exploring what your interests are. Um, and then one of the biggest things I would actually say is to be an advocate for yourself. Um, I, you know, gradually learned um, as I was getting older that, you know, I'm probably, you know, 
pain my immediate family, I'm always going to be the expert on my condition, right? So I'm going to have doctor's appointments where I really have to tell them, no, you really can't do cohesive. Um, I remember one struggle I had actually when I was in elementary school and it kind of continued throughout school is, you know, we have, um, you know, gym class, so, you know, PE class. And, you know, the gym teachers are always informed, you know, in terms of my condition. But, you know, there was still this, you know, an activity that I felt like I was pressured to participate in or, you know, something that made me uncomfortable uh, because, you know, I was pretty risk averse. Um, but what, what I wish I'd done is just advocate for myself and say, you know what, I'm, I'm not going to participate in that activity. And if that upsets the gym teacher, you know, they'll just have to deal with that. But I think I just the point is I would say, you know, advocate for yourself and, you know, your safety is your top priority. So if you feel pressured by, you know, let's say friends, family, teachers, to you know, do something that you think, you know, I, I don't think this will go well, then just, you know, then I would say just, uh, you know, just use your voice and, um, you know, respectfully and everything, of course, but, you know, don't be afraid to say, you know, what it is that you need, for sure. Finding your voice, it doesn't matter if you're young or you're old, it's, it's hard to do, but it's so important to do it for yourself. I completely agree. We were actually talking about that today that I have found, you know, as I've gotten over 40, I'm finally finding my voice. I was never that person growing up. And it's, it's funny how freeing it is and how, I don't know, it's, uh, it's tough to get there sometimes, but it is, it's really freeing to stand up for yourself and to be your own voice. It is empowering. Yeah. Just took me a long time to get there. I'm with you, Jill. Yeah, we're getting there, Melissa. We're getting there. We're still trying. <laughs> oh. Well, this has been an incredible interview. Before we uh, complete our time with you today, Nisha, is there anything else you would like to share to the community? Um, yeah, I would just say that yeah, I really found it empowering to share my voice. So, um, and I know that you know people have to get to different points in their journey, but um, I would say that if there's anyone out there who's thinking, oh, you know, there's people who um, you know close to who don't know how I have EB, or you know, I would like to you know get involved, but you know, I'm not sure how to do that. Um, definitely know that it's never too late, um, and that there can just be a lot of benefits, not only for our community, but also you know for um, you know for themselves. So that's definitely something I would encourage. Now that I finally, now that I finally done it. But how inspiring. So, uh, Jill, we want to make sure on our channels that we list off some of the information that Nisha yep. has shared today. Yeah. Is it okay if we share your um, the video that you did, Nisha? Is that okay? Yeah. yeah okay. Fine. Perfect. Excellent. Oh, we have so much to share. There's a lot of things that we are going to be linking to our website and we'll, we'll post in our groups and yeah, all kinds of fun stuff. So. so thank you for being with us today, Nisha. We really appreciate it. And you've given a lot of worlds of wisdom for our community. So on behalf of everyone, we thank you. Thank you. It's, uh, it's been an honor. I really enjoyed the other episodes. So really, um, really happy to have you. Well, with all the things you're doing, we might have to have you on again. To <laughs> we'll do so. round two the oh, next six up. months. Yeah, <laughs> okay. Now, Nisha, please, if there's uh, anyone that you think would be a good fit for a podcast that that wants to share their story or any of the organizations that you're affiliated with, if they would like to share parts of their story, um, Jill and I are very open. So please let this be the beginning of a long-lasting friendship. Absolutely. Thank you so much. 
absolutely. Thank you. Definitely do. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great. We're so really grateful for this, um, for, me, for meeting with you. I, I know it's just, we can't see each other visually, but I do feel like we got a chance to get to know you a bit. So yeah. that's great. All right. Well, we'll let you know when this is going to come out. Yeah. Yep. And we'll be in touch. Perfect. Sounds good. All right. Enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you. You too. Thank you. Bye, Nisha. Before we go, we just wanted to share a message that we received from one of our listeners. Hodges, thank you so much, and uh, keep those messages coming. We love to hear them from our community. Thanks, guys. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. All right. Um, my name is uh, Hodges, and I have uh, just listened to two of your podcasts, and I got to say, I'm already a huge fan. Um, I really think like what you guys are doing is absolutely amazing, something that is definitely needed in our EB community, something new, something fresh. Um, I would absolutely love to do an interview with you guys. Um, I, I believe I have a, a bit of a unique uh, EB story. I'm also starting a EB Life brand. Uh, you can uh, feel free to uh, look that up at eblifestyle underscore on Instagram. Um, I would love to send uh, little Mia and her mom out a promotion box. But uh, regardless, um, I'm a huge fan. I really love what you're doing. Please keep up the good work. And um, yeah, I really love this. This is good.